Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. And Matt, the Sun Devils are trying to rebound from a blowout loss for the second time this season, hosting Washington State. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a similar setup to two weeks ago, and I guess we'll hope for a similar outcome. The Cougars are 4-2. and two. They're 3-0 and oh in conference, and Luke Fox got over 2,100 yards passing. So everything is much the same in the Palouse. You know, it, it is, um, and yet, you know, it's, it's it's a little bit more well-rounded of a team than, than maybe they've had in recent years. Um, you know, a better defensive team, and the game they won last week was, was the type of game that, that they don't usually win, a game played in the 20s. Uh, that was the recipe to, to beat Washington State. You could hold them to under 30 points, you'd win. Well, you know, they, they got a little bit better defense, and they're running the ball well. They did last year, too. I remember the game that they won in Tucson last year, they had a ton of success running the ball. Um, you know, so they're, they're, you know, I mean, look, they're still going to throw it a lot and throw it successfully. And, you know, Falk is a really good quarterback, but a little bit more multidimensional than, than maybe, you know, Leach's teams have been in the past at Texas tech and, and there. Well, it's kind of surprising when you look at, you know, how these teams are coming in, ASU's averaging 400 yards of offense to Washington state's five Oh one. But yeah. ASU's defense is allowing 506 yards of offense, including 384 through the air, compared to yeah. Washington's 382 yards allowed. You wouldn't know that the Cougars were the team that lost to a 1AA school. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and, and this is the second year in a row. They opened the season with a with a loss at home to an FCS school. And, and last year, you know, when they lost that game and they kind of, you know, they hadn't really gotten on track with Leach and, you saw that result and you thought, boy, maybe it's never going to happen there. I remember thinking that and turned it around and they went nine and four and they won the Sun Bowl. And, uh, you know, and so this year when I saw that, that they lost that opener, I think we even talked about it, maybe not on one of these, but, you know, I said, you know, I'm not going to write them off. And, you know, and yeah, they lost to Boise the next week, but Boise's a really good team. Um, and, and they've done exactly the same. They've turned it around and, and uh, you know, they're, they're right there with Washington at the top of the north. Yeah, I mean, the the Cougars started the year struggling. They lose the FCS game, the the supposed cupcake. Then they come out and lose on the road at Boise. But they blow out Idaho. They beat Oregon by three scores. They blow out Stanford. And then they beat UCLA. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've, you know, they've beaten teams that, that were supposed to be good. Now, you know, the, the jury's still, I guess, a little bit out on, you know, how good Stanford is and how good Oregon is. Right now, you'd probably say not that great either one certainly not Oregon um but nonetheless for Washington State to go to Austin Stadium or no I'm sorry I think that was at home but no you know either way they went uh, to Stanford they They went to Stanford and they won at Austin last year I mean so so it's it's different I mean Washington State was kind of you know much like Colorado uh for for much of the 2000s they were the pushover team them and Washington were the team that you could you could mark down as an easy win and that's certainly not the case anymore um and yeah to go to Stanford and and absolutely dominate them both sides of the ball um, is, is, you know, kind of a shocker. Uh, you know, now Stanford got dominated the week before, but that was against a top 10 team on the road. You did not see that one coming. Before we get into, you know, how Luke Falk will torch our secondary and how our offense needs to get back on track because we're at home. Right. Let's talk about the sideshow story that has become the main <laughs> story of the week, which is, the pirate coach Mike Leach has 
announced that he still thinks ASU is stealing signals after two schools accused Todd Graham of doing that last season. And yeah. the Pac-12 investigated last year. They said that there was nothing there from, from all the public reports anyway. But Leach is suggesting that they're, they're using some sort of audio or video equipment to assist in signal stealing. Right, which would make it, you know, an illegal practice. Um, it's one of those things that, you know, if you, as long as you don't do it that way, if you just have your, your guys, you know, up in the press box watching signals, uh, you know, that's fair game, and I think every team probably does some of that. You know, that's, that's why these play boards and things exist, um, to try to, to, you know, throw you off and, you know, decoy signs and things like that. You know, see quarterbacks where, the, you know, they'll stand there with three quarterbacks motioning in signals and, only one is actually motioning in anything that matters. Uh, you know, so, I mean, it, every team kind of does it. Um, it's, you know, it's a strange thing because, as you said, now it's three schools that have all independently made this accusation. So you think, boy, it seems like there might be something to it. Um, but, you know, I, I think the biggest point that must be made out of this is, Boy, if we're stealing signals, we're not doing it very effectively because those numbers you just rattled off about how poor our defense is, uh, you'd think if we had this multifaceted technological system that Mike Leach is accusing us of having, we'd be having more success on defense. That's true, although you raised offline when you and I were just texting back and forth. The conspiracy theorist among us, which clearly Mike Leach must be a part of, Oh, sure. The Sun Devils' numbers are much better at home, and in theory, that would be the place where you could have the super-secret video camera. Yeah. And I think Mike Leach's accusation involved we had microphones along the the visiting team's sideline. Yeah. Which, you know, know, this is is one of those moments where it kind of feels a little Belichickian or a little Nick (laughs) Saban-esque where, look— until you get told it's cheating, it's not cheating. So well, yeah, that's true. You know, and and I know I heard you know I heard whispers last year when this came up that well is that is that one of the reasons that they switch sidelines? You know, and it makes it easier to, to see from the press box what the opponent is doing when they're on the opposite side. Uh, eh, maybe who knows? I you know I don't know. Um, I mean, you're right. Uh, we we did discuss it that you know. Um, the numbers have been, I mean, the success has been better at home, but, you know, it's all, it hasn't been good. It's not like we've been a totally different defense at home. Oh, absolutely um, not. I mean, uh, you know, we gave up 55 to Texas Tech. We gave up 41 to Cal, uh, you know, so, so it's been better, but it hasn't been like thinking, wow, this defense sure seems to know what's coming at home and they don't have a clue on the road. Oh, no. And I don't really think there's anything to that other than, one coach said it, which forced the other sure. coach to respond, and it becomes sort of the sideshow distraction. I, I would be shocked if it was not mentioned during the telecast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a story, um, and, and you know, it uh, – again, I, I guess I don't, I don't quite know what to make of it because if it was just one coach, you'd say, well, boy, do they just have history, and, you know, it does seem – that Todd Graham doesn't have the most sterling of reputations among other coaches. You don't, you don't hear the fawning over Todd Graham that a lot of coaches do over each other. Where, oh, I really, really respect this guy. This guy, you know, you hear that a lot. Maybe it's not even true, but they say it. You don't hear that as much about Todd Graham. 
And so is there a reason? There, there must be. Um, but ultimately, who cares? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't need uh, there to be a reason, uh, you know, and, and I, don't, I don't need the other coaches to love Todd Graham. I mean, I, I don't really care that they do or don't. Um, but it is, it's just a strange story, and it, and it does make you wonder if you're hearing it from a variety of people. A lot of times, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, that type of thing. Uh, and absolutely, and and Graham doesn't really do much to endear himself when he comes out and says, we steal signals within the boundaries of the rules. And to be honest, as a fan of the team, that is what I want to hear. I want to hear sure. that we are doing everything within the rules that we can to win the game. Sure, sure, agreed, yeah, yeah. And and I think other teams are too. Um, you know, this is one of those things, like I, like I was saying, if we were having more success, I might buy it. If, if a story about, you know, Alabama or Ohio State or, or Clemson or somebody, this came out, oh, you know what they're doing, and, you, know, you might think, huh, okay, that's the reason they're so successful every year. Uh, but, man, if we've got this great system, like, you, know, you should probably be taking advantage of it more, uh, you know. And, I, and so, I mean, I, I realize that's sort of one of those arguments you can, you can argue, you know, if you want to argue the point, you say, well, you know, so you're telling me you're not cheating because the team's no good? Well, kind of, yeah. Uh, you know, or at I mean, least not cheating successfully. Right, exactly, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like when you hear that, you know, a team is in trouble for illegal recruiting practices and, you know, their best season is 7-5. and five. You're thinking, well, geez, if you're going to cheat, at least cheat better. You yeah. know, get better players, win more games. Um, yeah, have so, the blue I mean, chips type of cheating. Right, you're right, a national you know, title contender. Yeah, I mean, every now and again you do hear those, basketball or, or football, or like, you know, a team that, that, you know, barely gets into the tournament. Oh, they, you know, they were doing all these things. Like, well, geez, you know, if you're going to do that, you should get better players, get to the Final Four at least. That being said, when we get to the actual game breakdown, Luke Falk is really good. And oh, yeah. And another good quarterback. Uh, it seems like every week we've we've faced one really probably since UTSA. Uh, you know, I mean, Mahomes, and then we had the one-week break against UTSA. But since then, it's been pretty good quarterbacks we faced. And the guy who is starting, he, he has the feel to me of when you have a U of A player who stays all four years. River Craycraft, the yep. wide receiver, I feel like he was a receiver at Washington State when we were in college. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Gabe Marks is back as well. He's been around a while. Uh, so, yeah, they, you know, they uh, have obviously, you know, I haven't followed them that closely uh, over the years. Um, but they obviously have been playing some young guys that are, you know, still around. And that's probably a big reason, much like we talked about with Colorado and how, you know, you a lot of the same names you heard for the last couple of years are now part of this team that's good. Probably a big reason why Washington State has turned things around is, you know, they, they stayed the course, they stayed patient with guys, and they let them take their lumps, and now they're, they're, you know, they're paying dividends for them. Well, and it helps when you have a quarterback like Falk who can do everything you want in air raid offense. He can make all the throws, and, and now as a veteran, it's going to be tough to rattle him even though it's on the road. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know, he uh, he played well here two years ago in a game where they they were not a very good team, and we were just coming off that Oregon State loss, and they they gave us a pretty big scare uh, in a game that you know seemed like it should be easy for us, and it wasn't. Um, you know, so now this is his third year as a starter. He's 
he's a good player and he's, you know, he's got some NFL eyes watching him for sure. I mean, you know, there are, there are those, they say, I guess, if you want to put it that way, that, you know, he might be the, the best NFL prospect that, that Leach has ever had at quarterback. Um, he's had a ton of, you know, productive quarterbacks, but never really sent one to much success in the NFL. Um, and, and maybe this is the guy to kind of break that trend. It certainly seems that way. He's definitely getting all of the publicity for it. And, and that's yeah. going to be a big test for ASU. Now, we've played air raid teams and, and beaten air raid teams at home. Yeah. But every week you wonder more and more about this secondary. I, I guess you just kind of hope everyone is healthy and playing and that somehow, some way, even though we can't tackle in practice anymore, we're improving <laughs> in tackling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, you know Graham said uh, I saw this week that you know well UCLA was our best tackling week and and last week was our worst. That's probably fair to say. Um, it was a pretty good uh, success rate against UCLA. Uh, two two big plays allowed due to missed tackles. But you know, as I've said to you, you can you can live with one or two. Yeah, you, it's hard to live with with you know eight or ten. And that's uh, that sounds like what we had last week and. USC, I know we had, you know, and those will kill you. So, um, yeah, got to get, got to get better at that, and and uh, you know, it also comes back to the offense being more productive than it's been really the last three weeks. I mean, kind of the, kind of the hidden thing out of that UCLA win was it wasn't a very productive night offensively. Now we did have our backup quarterback in, and UCLA's defense is good, and so you kind of chalk it up to that, but. Um, you know, Howler wrote a story this week that, you know, the numbers are kind of startling. The last three games hasn't been very good on offense. Well, let's flip over and talk about the offense a little bit more. There's been a lot of talk about the running game for ASU mm-hmm. and basically how it all started out like gangbusters and we're still averaging, you know, 160 plus yards rushing. But if you take out the early success, <laughs> It, this team isn't cracking 100 yards. Demario right. Richard and Balaj can't break free. You know, last week I think Balaj averaged two yards a carry. You know, and you take right. out the one right. sparky formation run for Richard. What what is this team doing? The the yeah. offensive line is not stopping anybody. Yeah, no, I mean you're right. You know, and that's certainly been, uh, you know, uh, the the numbers jump out at you in the two losses of how unproductive the running game has been. Uh, you know, again, some of that is is due to being behind. You fall behind, it's tougher to run the ball consistently when you're down three scores in the second half, and we have been in both of those games. Uh, but still, I mean, you know, even early in the game, when when the game's in the balance in the first half, we haven't run it well against either one of those teams. So, and that, you know, we we talked about it after Texas Tech that that was kind of the blueprint for this offense, and that started with running the ball really, really well. You know, Balaj had the eight touchdowns, and you don't expect those numbers to to be duplicated again. But uh, certainly, you know, got to get back to having a little more success there. And clearly, the Sparky formations on film now, and teams are sure adjusting. But this is where you counter punch. You know, that you made your first the first wrinkle you threw in was good, and. And that's not to say that Chip Lindsey hasn't included wrinkles. The Jalen Harvey passes right. and things like that have been interesting and have added some excitement and added a little uniqueness to the offense that, frankly, Norvell's end of his tenure with Burko was lacking, it felt Didn't like. Didn't have enough of, yeah, yeah. No, agreed, agreed. I mean, you know, and I think 
I think, you know, another thing, speaking of that, when you talk about, you know, Burko, and, and although the offense is different, it's not totally different. You know, we've seen how this offense can be limited when it doesn't have a running threat at quarterback. Um, you, you know, UCLA, we had Brady White. He's not the running threat that Wilkins. Last week we had Wilkins, but we didn't have Wilkins as a runner. And, and so, you know, that seems to really limit what we can do offensively. Um, and, I, you know, again, this is why I felt like it was not a great idea to play him last week because I just think now you continue to push the ball down the road of, well, he's still banged up, he's still banged up. Well, we need to get him healthy in order to have this offense operate well. I mean, we're still 5-2, and two, but, sure. you know, in, in Doug Haller's podcast, he and Metcalf raised the point, and I think it's valid that Dylan Sterling Cole, the red shirt's off, and he is your backup. There's not another option. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's now mm-hmm. him. And going back to the game against Colorado, you know, in addition to the fact that we couldn't block the run well, Manny was getting lit up in right. the backfield and couldn't scramble. And at a certain point, don't you want these reps to go to Dylan Sterling Cole so that he can see what it's going to look like in a tough yeah. road environment? I sure think so. Yeah, I, again, I was very surprised. I was surprised he didn't start, and I was even more surprised as that game unfolded that he didn't get in for the last few possessions because the game was, you know, okay, it's a three-score game, and yeah, you know, in, in an ideal world, you feel like maybe you could score three times in the second half, but our offense was not humming at all effectively. And and so I just think that was the time to sort of think, well, okay, this game's probably not going our way. Offense isn't playing well. Defense isn't playing well. Let's get this kid in and, and see what he does. And we missed that opportunity. And I just I don't know. I don't I don't understand that. I really don't. Um, you know, I, I'm not gonna you know sit here and say that I'm smarter than the coaches. Uh, there there must be a reason that they didn't. I just don't know what it is. Well, I mean, now you're in the position that you were in with Brady White again, which is you've got yeah. a backup quarterback who's attempted one collegiate pass and right, it was picked right. off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it seems to be a common position. We were in that position last year. You know, Manny Wilkins had, had never attempted a pass, and, you know, Burko never got hurt, uh, and so we were able to sort of get through that. But, yeah, I just feel like we missed an opportunity there to, to get him in and, and just let him play, let him have the offense, and, and you know, if he, if he screws things up, at least he learns. You know, these are things you can't do. Um, so, yeah, I, I think a missed opportunity. And I, I really don't get it because, like you said, you know, the, the redshirt season's off. Now, you can get that redshirt back next year if you so choose. Let's, you know, say say Wilkins comes back and, and you know, he plays well and either Brady White's healthy or maybe Bryce Perkins stays around or something. He can redshirt next year. You haven't lost that ability forever, but you've lost it for this year. So I don't understand the point of keeping him, you know, on the sideline the entire game. And you have to wonder going forward, will they find reps for him beyond what he's done? I mean, effectively now he will have spent more of his career before he gets into another game lining up at wide receiver <laughs> than lining up yeah. at quarterback. Yeah, yeah, three to two. You're right, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I, I just, uh, you know, I, I'm left to think, I think we said this last week, I'm the only conclusion that I can reasonably draw is that when he was there in practice last week, he was outmatched, you know, that, that, that they just saw it. And obviously you're not going to say that publicly, but that they saw something 
that just, man, he's just not ready. You know, just, he just can't handle the playbook or whatever it is. Um, which is, a, okay, a little understandable. He's a true freshman. He just got here. I get it. Um, yeah, he did. It's true. He did not have the benefit of spring ball. He didn't. He didn't, you know, and it is a learning curve, and that's why they wanted to redshirt him. Uh, but I, I still think, you know, that's, see, that's the time in that game where I think you, you put him in and, and you, you give him what he you think he can handle and maybe he surprises you. Maybe he can handle a little more. Maybe he can't, but that's a learning experience. Now, you know, then, then maybe, you know, things start to come to him a little faster. So I don't know. I just, I'm always of the belief that quarterbacks get better by playing, not necessarily by sitting. Well, I mean, certainly you would have to think that most coaches would adopt that attitude, but, but Todd Graham sort of following in the Dennis Erickson school where, no, no, he's not, you know, we play our starter until he's yeah. broken in half, until the yeah. Ivan Drago moment where I will break him. That, it kind of seems that way, yeah. I mean, he, uh, you know, he, he has not, you know, one thing I guess you could say for him, if you want to spin it positive, is he does not have a quick trigger on, you know, panic quarterback changes or something like that. You know, some coaches do. They, uh, you know, look at Notre Dame this past week, and for some reason Brian Kelly decides he's going to switch quarterbacks in the second half, did not work, and, uh, you know, blew up in his face. But Todd Graham, just the opposite. Like, you know, uh, he, he sticks with his guy, and it just it didn't make sense to me this game. And, you know, I think he saw some of the frustration in Manny Wilkins after the game. Obviously he didn't play well, you know, but I, I wonder if some of that was born out of, Man, I, I shouldn't have been out there, and they forced me out there, and I, you know, and I, I'm just not ready to go. Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly why you pay the big bucks to these guys because it's not the decision that I sitting at home was making. No, no, and I, you know, again, I, I again without the benefit of seeing him in practice, and that's a huge thing, but I would have started him last week. I just feel like that's the the, the way you should have gone based on what you told me about how Manny Wilkins looked, how limited he looked, and I know he said, you know, I'm fine, I'm 100%, blah, blah, blah. I don't think anybody really believes that, including him. Um, I just don't think it made sense to, to play him at all. Um, I definitely don't think it made sense to continue sending him out there series after series in the second half when he's just getting beat down, the team is getting beat down, and all you're doing is, is you know, getting him beat up even more than he already was. Um so, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I hope it's my, – my biggest fear last week was that it would be something that continued to plague us going forward if he went out there too soon, and, and that is still my fear, that you'll see the same limited Manny Wilkins this week. And maybe you wouldn't have seen that if he'd had another week off. Well, and this week you're running into issues because it's – you know the reports are Sam Jones has been not practicing. Yeah. He's wearing a walking boot, and we're doing the thing that – you know, coaches dread. We're shuffling three guys to make up for it. We're moving McCray, which is causing us to move, I think, Bailey and bring Robertson in. And And Robertson in, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, you know, the the thing you hope for with offensive line is continuity, and that sort of, you know, throws that completely off. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's already a group that had question marks all year, you know, coming into the year, and and it hasn't been great. It's, it's been okay early in the year and then not very good the last few weeks. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's – and, again, playing a pretty decent defense. This is 
you know, in the old days, uh, you know, with Leach, when he was there at Washington State, you could kind of think, well, all right, they're going to throw a lot. They're going to get their points. But, you know, we could go in and roll up, you know, 45, 55 on them pretty easy. I don't know if that's going to be the case. So so that's the that's the tricky part here. You know, you're not, not going to make it easy for you on offense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is a... This is a much improved Cougars defense, which maybe for ASU, that's something to look at and hope to build towards. Hopefully so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. Uh, you know, it's, it's gotta, it's gotta get better than what it's been, I think. Right. I, I mean, according to Haller, we missed 21 tackles last week, 21 Ugh. tackles. Yeah. The teams, yeah. you know, you're missing multiple tackles a play because sometimes guys just drop passes. So that, right. you know, sometimes right. it's not a play. So when there is an right. opportunity to tackle, it seems yeah. like we're not it, – it's almost as if we are – you know, the point was made when we talked last time that they're not gang tackling, and it seems like they almost all look at each other like, oh, well, I thought you had that, as opposed to all trying to hit the guy. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, one-on-one tackles aren't easy to make. You like to see them, but they're not easy to make. You know, guys are elusive, they're fast, um, and, and yeah, I mean, the easiest way to fix your, your tackling problem is to have, you know, three or four guys in position to make the play, and they, they combine to make it together, or one of them does, and, they, you know, um, uh, you know, not not it's not X's and O's when that's the problem. I mean, that's you know, you could talk about, you know, scheme and, and again, I think we, we said this last time, I mean, there, there are issues with the scheme, but when you're missing tackles, that's, that's not, you know, that's not something you can fix in the meeting room. Uh, you just got to make plays. I mean, absolutely. That that's the case. And, and it really stems from the fact, you know, I saw the report that FISO is not in game shape and you know, that, Christian Sam is just not going to play this year. Like we need to write him yeah. off, and maybe you hope for a medical red shirt if that's I, hopefully feasible. you can get that exactly. Yeah, but you know the the team, the good tacklers seem to be the the surest tacklers, I should say, seem to be Ball and Mokiola, and then it's mm-hmm. a lot of hope. You know, Gump Hayes has the UCLA game where he's tackling everybody, and then he has the game against Colorado where if you throw a swing pass in front of him, you can go ahead and right. assume that the guy's going to get past him and you're looking at, right. the, at the safety for help. Yeah, agreed. Agreed, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you, you say the name Mokiola, and uh, that, that brings to light the fact that he's stayed fairly healthy uh, since the beginning of the year, and, and I, I guess that even, even more so kind of makes it, makes it sting that this defense is struggling so much because, you know, we, we counted on him to be injured <laughs> you just kind of come to expect that and he's actually been pretty healthy and and uh we've not we've still not been able to take full advantage of that yeah and hopefully that will change this week I, i've been you know it's one of those things that's very interesting to me about what they've done defensively the reports have been that they've been flip-flopping mokiola and ball depending mm-hmm. on the situation who was going to play safety and who was going to play at spur yeah and you almost wonder, do both of them need to be closer to the line of scrimmage because they're the best tacklers, or do we need them both to be further back to save <laughs> us from the gigantic play? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's not an easy answer to that question. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, it, you know, that, that would go a long way. It's just, just making the plays that are there to be made, you know, and I, I always come back to, we, we have played some very good offenses, you know, Texas tech is a, is a really good offense. Cal is too. Uh, USC, you know, Colorado. I mean, these are, these are good offenses. They're going to make plays. They're going to, they're going to beat you at times, but you know, you got to make your share of plays too. And we just, we haven't made enough, uh, especially in the two losses, but really even in a couple of the wins, we, we were, you know, fortunate to have an offense that could, could, could pick up the defense because it wasn't there much. Yeah. And you, you know, you hope that that happens, that we get to the point where, I mean, ideally you hope that everyone's clicking both sides of the ball and that we're not talking on Sunday or right. Monday about, well, Zane had a good game again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, it, it, to me, it, it really starts with the front four. If we're not going to blitz to create pressure and we're going yeah. to have to sit back because we don't trust our secondary in yeah. isolation on islands, you know, which loving this fact that I never thought I'd long for the day of the Alden Darby's and the Omar Bolden's <laughs> in the secondary. Yeah. And, but if we're going to do that, the front four needs to get pressure, and that's on Smallwood. That's certainly on Wicker, who yeah. all you hear from about Wicker from the time he got on campus, Todd Graham was jumped out of that, bed right. at 1 in the morning right. because Wicker was going to commit. And right. he's, he's turning a corner, and he's going to be, you know, he needs to have three senior years, back to back to back. Right, well, right. We're now halfway through this year, over halfway through this year, and he's not answering the bell, at least yeah. not in the dominant, disruptive way. Like, he's doing his job, but he's not a game changer. Right, exactly. I was going to say, I mean, he hasn't been bad. He's a starter, you know, and, and he's made some plays, but he hasn't, he hasn't quite been the impact player that you would have hoped. And I think we both hoped he'd be this year. I mean, he had a pretty good freshman year you know, in, in spots and you kind of hope for that big jump and haven't really seen it. Uh, you know, I mean, and yeah, that's, that's a big difference. I mean, if you have, if you have one or two really good impact players that makes up for a lot of weaknesses in other spots, but you go back to the first couple years with Graham, when the defense had some problems then too, but you had Will Sutton, you had Carl Bradford, uh, you know, those guys made up for a lot of problems in other areas, and, and we just haven't quite got that from from some of the guys you would have wanted. They're not bad, but they're not uh, jumping off the page. Well, and that's the thing. You know, you go back and you look at Graham. He's got Sutton and Bradford, and they are, you know, NFL draft picks. Yeah. And then, you you know, you go a little bit forward, and Demarius Randall's a first-round pick. Right. And you look at this defense today, you know, I guess Smallwood because he's just kind of everything you want in a nose tackle. He, yeah. You know, other than that, I mean, nobody in this secondary. No, certainly not. You know, no, and, and you've got no. the injury-prone Mokiola who he's yeah. got all the talent in the world, but, I, you know, he's, he's undersized to play linebacker in the NFL. Right. Same with Calhoun. You know, yeah. Calhoun's a nice college player, but. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, you know, uh, Wicker potentially down the road, you know, if he continues to develop, could be. But, but yeah, you're right. I mean, we've, we've sent a fair amount of guys to the NFL, and a, a number of them, Juco kids, you know, uh, Randall's one, Marcus Hardison another one, uh, you know. Uh, but, but, yeah, there's, there's just, you know, right now we just don't seem to have the players. I and mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. And, 
and that's the probably the biggest concern as you go forward is like it doesn't doesn't necessarily feel like we are a young team that just you know needs to let these guys grow for a couple of years. A lot of these guys who are making mistakes, they're juniors and seniors. You know, we're not we're not playing a bunch of freshmen. So that's that's the concern for me is you know where, where's the pipeline here? Yeah, I mean you know we've talked about this before the issues with recruiting and when you when you're filling in gaps with JUCO players that's one thing, um, but when you're looking to them to anchor your secondary and you know it's on Graham now I you know I think I think that all the talk about Graham has been a little premature about is he on the hot seat. You know, don't get me wrong, yeah. in, in, in a heated text during the Colorado game, I may or may not have asked for <laughs> Patterson to be fired. But <laughs> but in reality, you know, they've done well and we're struggling now, but the struggles now are not the things where you're like, well, it's a young team and we're building. It's it, No, yeah. it's not. You know, yeah. Nikhil, yeah. the fact that Nikhil Harry has had a couple back to, you know, back-to-back games where he's not really making noise, okay, I expect that. He's a true freshman right. who teams are now rolling coverage towards. He's going to have right, to figure exactly. that out. Exactly, yeah. There's a, there's an adjustment, and yeah, for sure. But, uh, absolutely, that's the case. You um, know, but when you're trying to find a corner not named Kareem Moore who's going to have an impact after this season or during this season, right? you're right. hard-pressed. You are, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, no no doubt. I mean, yeah, it's 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 tricky because you're right. I, I mean, there was there was hot seat talk coming into the year, and right now, you know, he's he's taking a team that was not projected to be very good by a lot of people, and they're five and two. Um, the interesting thing will be where does it go? And I think Graham even kind of said that a little bit this week. You know, this season can go in a couple different directions. Um, you know, and we want to make it go in the good. Great, yeah. If, if this team gets eight or nine wins, then you're going to have to say, man, you know, he really he really got everything out of this team. But it could still finish with six. And and then you'd be thinking, well, uh, okay, should he be? I mean, look, I don't, I don't see any scenario where he is in danger of losing his job after this year, uh, just based on wins and losses. Obviously, I'm not you know, not counting scenarios of some sort of major problem, a la Baylor or something like that, where things happen unexpectedly. But uh, on field, on field, yeah, exactly. You I don't see that. I mean, let's let's even go worst case scenario. We lose out. We finish five and seven. I don't think he loses his job after this year, but certainly a, a finish of six wins would put him squarely on the hot seat next year. Because I mean, we talked about that prior to the year. You have six wins last year. You have another year like that. It's a pattern. You know, once is a fluke. Okay, yeah, it was a bad year. You lost some close games. You had some injuries. Sure, everybody has them. And, you know, except for a few programs here and there, they have down years. I mean, Michigan State was in the playoff last year. This year they've lost four in a row, and they're going to probably struggle to make a bowl. Things happen, um, but you know you don't want it to become a pattern, and and so the, you know yeah, these last five games are pretty critical for that because if you win eight, you can say hey, you know it's kind of a rebuilding year. We had a new quarterback, we had a new offensive line, we had a lot of defensive questions, and we still managed to get eight wins and just hang with us. We're going to really take it to the next level next year. You win five or six, and it's, you know, uh, okay, why couldn't you have done better? And especially when you start fast, you know, people will, yeah, the schedule got tougher and blah, 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 but, you know, you go five and one and you finish six and six, people deservedly think, what happened? Why'd you let it fall apart on you? And, and you know, not only is the schedule going to get tougher in the short term, but we 
hard. We have a very limited number of home games left. We got this right. and, and one more. Right. You exactly. Know? Yeah. So even yeah, if you take so. care of business at home, you're still that's only seven. That's seven and yeah. five. You you yeah. need to take both it. home games and find the road win at Oregon. You gotta Arizona. find a road win. That's exactly it. Yeah, and and you've got win. I mean, those are right now by record the two worst teams in the conference. Now I don't know if they really are the two worst teams, but they are the only teams that don't have a conference win. And and so you you know you need to get one or both of those. I mean, and and I know it's. It's hard for anyone, I think, to still look at a road game at Oregon as a, as a game. Oh, you should win that, especially ASU, because, you know, second to Washington, I think we probably have the longest losing streak to them, and now Washington broke theirs. Um, you know, it goes back to our freshman year in college that we haven't beaten Oregon. So it's been a long time, but that, you know, jumping ahead one week, when we'll talk more about it as we go, but that's a game we should win. You know, I mean, it, it just, you know, now Oregon's thinking the same thing. I mean, from the Oregon perspective, they're thinking, well, we got Cal and ASU next two weeks. We can right the ship. But from an ASU perspective, I'm looking at that game and saying, we got to win that one. You know, okay, you lost to Colorado. Well, Colorado's a much improved team. Fine. Colorado went into Oregon and won. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, the two road losses so far, we haven't played well, and that's bothersome. But the teams we've lost to, they're pretty good teams. I mean, you know, USC was was 1-3 and at the time. But I think we've seen since then they're they're a pretty good team. They had a tough schedule to start out with, and and things just kind of got away from them early. But they're they're good, and so is Colorado. Neither one is you know national championship material, but they're both good teams. Oregon and Arizona do not look like good teams. So you know that's that's where we'll find out. You know, did we just not play well because we played two good teams, or is something amiss with our road preparation? And I don't know what it is yet. Yeah, I mean that we'll find that out. But in the in the short term, you know, like you said when we talked at the end of last week, just keep the home momentum. This yeah. is you know this is what you need to do. You're if you're gonna be if you're gonna be back in the conversation, and I think you know we're borderline on this con- on winning the South. But sure. if you want to stay in the conversation for the South, you have to win this game. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think three losses could get you into a a tiebreaker scenario. But if you chalk up that we're probably going to lose at Washington, that's three. So any any hope of winning the South comes with with winning the rest. And even three is going to be tough because we have two division losses. So if we're in a tiebreaker with either one of them, you know, it, it's the odds are against us now. But yeah, if you if you want to keep hope alive, you got to win this week. You got to win next week. You got to you got to beat Utah on Thursday night, and then you know then you'll see where the standings are at that point, and maybe you still got a shot. Yeah. So with that, I think we should do our predictions. I, All I, right. You know, we walked through a very fine line here of whether we, you know, how we're feeling. <laughs> Ultimately, where I come down is, I want us to win. Yeah, I, I badly want a victory. If we were yelling in some sort of movie huddle about who wants a victory, I would yell it back, would be us. I want a right. victory. Right. But I don't think we're going to get that victory. I'm going to take the Cougars 51 to 34. All right. And, and, and I don't feel good about... The defense. I know we're at home. Yeah. I know that we're going to have the audio equipment working so we can steal the signals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I, I have uh, I've been wrong twice picking us to lose at home. 
And both times I felt like I, I combined my feeling on our defense against their offense and my feeling on our offense in general. And I just didn't see a way we could score enough points to win. And against Texas Tech, we scored a whole lot more than I ever expected. And against UCLA, we didn't score that many points, but our defense played well, and we found a way. Um, but I have that same feeling in this one. Like, I just, you know, part of me with UCLA was overrating their offense. Uh, you know, it, it really was. I, I had higher expectations for them this year, and seeing them now after seven games, I realized I was just wrong on them. They're not that good. Uh, certainly Rosen getting hurt didn't help, but they're just not a very good offense overall. This this is a good offense with a good quarterback and a good coach, and they're going to put up a lot of points on just about anybody they play. And and so uh, then you factor in our defensive struggles. Then you factor in an offense that really hasn't looked good for three weeks and has an injured quarterback, and that just I don't see a way. Um, so I, I'll go a little lower scoring. I'm going to go uh, – I'm going to go 42 to 27. I mean, I, I think that's entirely reasonable. The reason why I have the scoring so high for us is I just think they'll score quickly. And that could be, <laughs> you know, you get, you get some, some garbage time scoring from us too. You know, could, could happen. Didn't happen last week. Wish it had, but uh, you know, yeah, you know, I don't know. I just, I just, uh, in these type of games, you know, both Cal and Texas tech were this way. I, I feared falling behind, and and then it just gets away from you. Now we didn't we didn't fall behind by more than one score ever to Texas Tech. It was kind of just back and forth. Um, and then we took the big lead against Cal. I think we were behind by eleven at one point. But but you know our defense kind of kept us in it a little bit early, and then the offense finally woke up in the second half. Um, but I just I just continue to fear the situation, kind of like last week where you know you fall behind by two or three scores and. You can't dig out of it. The offense isn't good enough, and the defense isn't good enough. Because when you, you know, when you fall behind by that much, you have to combine them both. The offense has to play well, and you have to get stops. And I just, I don't know if either side of the ball can do that. I, I'm just not confident in the stops. I, I think it's going to take the offense a while to get rolling. I predict which that, is the the fear. Yeah, I mean, it has almost every game. And, and, and I predict that you know you were right with what you're saying about Manny. Um, you know, they're slow, and if Manny's not right, I you know, it's gonna just be a long night because if he can't run, he's not a pocket passer. The the no, pocket passer on the roster is out for the season, Brady White. Yeah, yeah. And and I just don't think this offense is built for a pocket passer. I mean the the receivers have been solid this year, but they're not a great group of receivers. They're solid. Tim White's a nice player and Nikhil Harry's had some really good moments, but you're right, he's kinda Kind of looks like he's hitting the freshman wall a little bit, um, and the other guys, you know, they're they're decent. Jalen Harvey, Cam Smith, they you know they've had moments, but it's not a great group where you think you know we're good enough if we just have to drop back and throw it fifty times, we can do that. That's that's not that's not this offense design. It's not the the offense's personnel. Uh, so yeah, we have to run the ball, and that, that again comes back to that falling behind. Fall behind, it's a whole lot tougher to stay patient with the running game. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's key, much like UCLA and and Texas Tech, although they were very different styles. We were able to navigate the first half and never find ourselves in much of a hole. UCLA, we we weren't at all. We had a three nothing lead, then it was tied three three. We never trailed. Um, and Texas Tech, we were never down by by more than seven. So you know, it's it's uh, I think it's key for that that if we you know if we find ourselves in a fourteen point hole early, 
that's where trouble starts to pick up. Well, and if we can't run the ball, I mean, yeah, if you because yeah. because part of it is falling behind, but part of it is if early on we can't establish the run, then we will fall behind. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they really it's kind of a chicken and egg type of thing. You know. Can, do you do you abandon the run? Because you're behind, or did you fall behind because the run didn't work, and then you had to abandon it? You know, it all it all kind of works out together. Um, but yeah, uh, I just I want to pick us. I want to believe in that home field magic um, because I don't think Washington State is markedly better than you know Texas Tech or Cal or UCLA. I think they're good, but they're not. You know, they're not Alabama or, or Ohio State or something like that. But I just I just don't know if. If home field alone can make the difference, because without that, I mean, if this game is played on a neutral field, I'd say Washington State is a good three touchdowns better than us. Um, and so, you know, is home en- enough to make up that difference? I don't think so. Yeah, you got to hope for a hot day and retaining yeah. the heat and and just that it all, and, you, you know, know and, and see if you can shake their rhythm a little bit. I mean, that's what we did to Cal. We kind of got them out of rhythm in the second half and. You know, with a hurry-up offense, we've been on the other end of it. Hurry-up offense on the road, start having some quick three-and-outs, and your defense is out there more, and, uh, you know, and you know, a lot of times those offenses just don't look the same on the road, both ours and, and others that have come in here. So that's got to be the hope because, yeah, I mean, I just think I think everything neutral, they're a better team than us. You know, they've, they've proven that so far this year. Their record, I think, is the same as ours, but I think they've beaten – better competition and been more convincing in winning those games than we have. So uh, I just, I struggle to see a way that, that we can either hold them down enough to compensate for a struggling offense or score enough points to compensate for a struggling defense. Yeah. Optimism abounds for the two of us. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say, if you listen to this, you'd swear we were two and five and not five and two. And, you know, and I guess that's good. I mean, I, I guess you, you know, if you could say all these problems and we're 5-2, and two, that, that isn't so bad to be. I mean, we're still staring down the barrel of bowl eligibility, and that, that for a lot of people, would be a win for this year. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, you know, we, as much as we've just talked about all our flaws, and probably if you knew nothing about this team, you'd, you'd swear they were really, really bad this year. We've, we've won five out of seven games. That, that isn't too shabby. Now, let's go because we, uh, you know, this is me making good on a promise. So if Greg Powell is listening, ah, yes. let's let's talk about Texas A&M at Alabama. Right. The undefeated Aggies traveling to Tuscaloosa to take on Nick Saban's legendary, uh, incomparable, all-world Alabama team who could never possibly be defeated at home. Uh, <laughs> Except the times they have been defeated at home in recent years. I I don't recall I don't recall any of what you're talking about. Okay, one was one was <laughs> just by Texas A&M with Johnny Football before we knew all his skeletons. Well, so I'm looking at the at the preview for this game, and and you've got two top seven or top six ranked teams. Yeah, and both of them have been great on offense. You know, Knight has been a revelation at Texas yeah. A&M. Yeah, you know, and, and the Aggies have been balanced. You know, they've got they're averaging over 530 yards a game, but they're averaging over 250 passing and rushing. So yeah, they're they're running it well, and he's he's been a, a big factor in that. Uh, you know, breaking some big runs. Uh, I know the Arkansas game they had. He he barely had any you know passing yards in the first half, but I think he had a couple long touchdown runs, and 
Uh, you know, they've they've been an interesting team because they've uh, you know they've nearly found a way to to blow a couple of home games that they seem to be controlling much of the game. One was two weeks ago against Tennessee when when you were here and you know they were they controlled that game and all of a sudden Tennessee takes it to OT and and one was the opener against UCLA controlled that game and all of a sudden UCLA scores a couple times late and they're in OT but they found a way to win both you know they survived kind of late game struggles to win both but this is a different animal this this is not you know Jim Mora and Butch Jones and uh, you know I like Butch Jones some as a coach I'm not a huge Jim Mora fan but uh, you know, this isn't them. This is a well-coached team with better talent and on the road and, uh, you know, probably giving it away, but I don't like their chances. I mean, if you're Texas A&M, if you're, if you're sitting in Greg Powell's shoes, if you're hanging out with your two beautiful children and your lovely right. wife, and That's you're right. thinking about how can we win this game, nothing lines up better for you than right now. You're undefeated. You've got a sure. balanced attack. You're coming off a bye. The sure, only problem absolutely. is they're still Alabama, and they are. You know, they are, you know, you are. You're coming uh, coming off a bye is big. Um, Alabama's coming off back to back tough road games. You know, at Tennessee, at Arkansas. I mean, they they weren't they weren't close necessarily, but you know, tough to win on the road in the SEC. I don't care who you're playing, and both good teams. Um, you know, so yeah, and and they've they've got confidence from having won there. Their quarterback has beaten Alabama, albeit with the with a different team, but, you know, he, he led the big win for Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl a couple years back. Um, their, their quarterback is the type of quarterback that has given Alabama fits, running quarterback, Deshaun Watson, Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, Trevor Knight himself. I mean, that's, that's the, been the one kind of theme. If you've been able to make Alabama struggle, got a quarterback who can run. Chad Kelly last year, same thing. Uh, Cardale Jones in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, the, the recipe's there. I just don't think that they can pull off the, the recipe. I mean, ultimately, Alabama doesn't allow you to run. If, if Texas A&M rushes for over 120 yards, color me surprised because, yeah. the, you know, and that that is how I think they have to do it. I think they need to take the air out of the ball. They're on the road. If you can, tr- uh, you know, God bless you. If you can beat up this Alabama defensive front seven and actually yeah. move the ball, running the ball, you got a real shot to win this game. You do, you do, and and you know you're going to need your. I mean, their defense has gotten a lot better last year and a half since they got John Chavis. Much different. They got a, you know, two great defensive ends. One of them might be the number one pick in the draft. Um, you know, so that's that's a big key too. Can they, you know, can they slow down this offense that that's been pretty good. Uh, you know, I mean, better than I think a lot of people expected them to be. Uh, I think if you'd said, you know, that, that they would have to score in the 40s to beat Arkansas and to beat uh, Ole Miss on the road, you, people would have said, well, they're not going to be able to do that. Not with a freshman quarterback and no more Derrick Henry. And, well, they have done it. So, um, yeah, it's a tough task. I mean, uh, you know, they're not invincible, but – they're going to be really tough for anybody to beat, and and I don't know that anybody can do it until maybe we get into the playoff. It, it feels to me like if you're if you're Texas A&M, this is everything you could want. Other than if you would hope, I guess Alabama would be more banged up. But for a sure. ro- but for having to travel to Tuscaloosa, you're coming off a bye. They're coming off of two road SEC games back to back. Yeah, you've seen Lane Kiffin have to pull out some wrinkles to to get through the schedule thus far. Right. You, you hope that you've seen enough and you've got enough on tape that you know their tendencies, you know what they're doing. If they're, you know, if the two ends can get to the quarterback 
And right. if they can run the ball, they've got a shot. Yeah. But if you ask yeah. me if I think that they can get – there's a lot of ifs, and I don't think yeah. they can get to all of those ifs to get the win. So I'm still going to take Alabama. I am too. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know Greg Powell was shocked that I picked Texas A&M to beat UCLA, and I think I picked them another week too when we discussed them. I can't remember who they were playing, but um, yeah, that, that that runs out. And I hope I'm wrong. As somebody who really does not like Alabama, I sure would love to see him go in there and beat him, but I I don't see it happening. Other games of note this week, uh, let's just run through quickly some top 25 games. Wisconsin yeah. at Iowa, I feel like this is the Badgers' defense. If Iowa gets a couple first downs, good for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it'll be one of those Wisconsin-Iowa games that, you know, might be the first of 14 points wins. I absolutely agreed. Michigan, I think, is going to just beat up Illinois. I don't think that's going to be close. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. West Virginia TCU. If TCU finally plays like old TCU, that could be a fun game. Yeah, but boy, they just haven't. Uh, you know, I keep waiting to see it. They had they had a big lead on Oklahoma early, and they couldn't finish that game. And ended up falling behind big before making a run, and they struggled to beat Kansas. Uh, and West Virginia's playing well. Boy, I thought they'd go down to Texas Tech and and maybe get beat. Instead, they beat up Texas Tech last week. So uh, they they got a little momentum going. I don't think it will last all the way through the year but i think they'll win that one marquee pac-12 south game utah at ucla the bruins are three and four and in danger of irrelevance in josh rosen's sophomore season they're they're in danger if they lose this one of not making a bowl which is surprising but i mean they still have some tough games ahead they play usc at the end usc's obviously playing better so yeah kind of a stunner Uh, i think they were supposed to be the cream of the crop in the division so this is one, you know, supposedly Rosen's back at practice and they'll need him because, um, you know, Utah's a good team. Now, they went to Utah and won last year, so it'll be kind of probably a low-scoring, not a typical Pac-12 type of game. Both teams are defense-oriented. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick UCLA, but not with a ton of confidence. This, to me, feels a lot like when UCLA got jacked up for Stanford and were, they – they totally. Right. It felt like they totally flipped how this this team operates yeah. for the Stanford game and the Utah game. They lost yeah. to Stanford, and I think they're going to lose to Utah. Okay, okay. I'll go UCLA just on the on the notion of being at home and and being a little disappointed by Utah last year when they had a great chance. I haven't quite gotten over that. I'm just not I'm not buying into them just yet. Looking around the rest of the scoreboard for the weekend, Arkansas-Auburn, that's just a fun SEC game. It you is, and, and Auburn is showing some signs of life the last few weeks. Uh, you know, oh, Gus Malzahn might be saving his job. I, I just am happy because you know that Vern is going to that Alabama-Auburn game to end his career. And, yes. And, and I'm excited yes. that if Auburn's good, that Vern Lundquist will have a meaningful game to call. Little, yeah, agreed. Agreed, for sure. And obviously that's not announced, but I assume because that who you know who else would he get to cover? I mean, if Alabama's the number one team still, or or you know even in position to win the West, do you think that'd be a a must see game? Ohio State travels to Penn State. You know the Buckeyes have not had an easy schedule. No, they haven't, and it's another road game against a team coming off a bye, just like last week. But I I don't think this one trips them up nearly as much. Uh, you know Wisconsin's got the good defense and. I just don't. I don't see Penn State giving them a, a real stiff challenge. I know they did a couple years ago, uh, 
almost beat them, the team that ended up winning the national title, but I, I, I don't see it this week. I'm with you on that. The last two games, Oklahoma at Texas Tech and Ole Miss at LSU. On Oklahoma-Texas Tech, <laughs> yeah, it, it, Texas Tech's at home. If they score 70 points, they can win that game. <laughs> I know, but they did. Last week they scored 17. Um, I, you know, So, yeah, I, I've been disappointed by them. I took it. I went out on a limb on them, and they have not made that limb feel very strong. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, yeah, if they get their offense rolling, obviously you never know. That's how they pull upsets, and they do it at home sometimes. But I, I, I'm kind of uh, giving up my hope on them turning things around. Yeah, I'm on the Boomer Sooner bandwagon for that game. And the last one, Ole Miss at LSU. Ole Miss is still ranked, and they're three and three. Yeah, and, you know, if Ed, you at Orgeron trying to pin yet another loss on Ole Miss. He only pinned a bunch when he was the coach. <laughs> well, I, I, I admit I stole that from Twitter. Somebody tweeted that, but I liked it. it it's good, and since we don't know who tweeted it, then it's yours. Uh, okay. I think, I think okay. that's how it works. If I've learned anything from listening to Bill Simmons' podcast for the last right. you know, right. half yes. a decade, <laughs> if, if you don't cite the person, you can just say, yeah. I got it from Twitter, and then right. not right. acknowledge there them, and then it's yours. Yeah, yeah. And, and I say that as somebody who religiously listens to Bill Simmons. I, I don't right. mean it as a shot. I just mean it as a fact. <laughs> um, you know, th- this year, Fournette has not been able to stay healthy. And, and we're getting to the <laughs> no. point now where he's a running back, so you assume he's going to go. But he's not having the Ezekiel Elliott-type run to the draft that you would hope if you're him. He's not. He's not. Now, I, I don't know that it will matter necessarily. Um, you know, I think his talent is still overwhelming, and, and the injury is not It's not something that's like a blown-out knee or something where you feel like, yeah, it's going to affect me. It's, a, it's an ankle sprain. It's a tough thing to play through, but it's something you can't overcome. So, I, you know, he's kind of slipped totally off the radar, uh, which is hard to believe, but so has LSU, you know, at least for now. But there's a game, you know, hey, if they win this game, um, you know, that sends them into Alabama in a couple of weeks off their bye, a little momentum, and, and they can throw themselves right back on the radar. Win this game, beat Alabama, and all of a sudden you still got a chance to win the West. And, you know, you got A&M in front of you. You got Florida in front of you now at home when it wasn't supposed to be. Uh, so a lot of things still out there for LSU. I mean, as, as much as it feels like everything fell apart for them, it hasn't. Uh, they've only got two losses and only one in conference. So, it's going to be a tough road with the you know with all the question marks they have, but it's it's still there for the taking for them. I think that this is the uh, the Mike the Tiger game, so yeah. uh, I'm I'm going to take LSU to to beat Ole Miss. Yeah, I am too. It's at LSU, right? It is at LSU. People are going to be walking past the Tiger yeah. enclosure. It's turned into a memorial, according to yeah. Twitter, for Mike the Tiger, and. I know it sounds weird, but I feel like when you lose a, a family member, and that's what Mike the Tiger is, yeah, you rally. Yeah. No, I agree, and and they're already kind of in that mode with Orgeron and you know interim coach, and everybody's giving up on them. And you know, Ole Miss just has kind of been underwhelming this year. Like you know, they've got they've got three losses, all to good teams. You know, no doubt it's not like they've lost to bad teams, but you just thought they had more in them, and it, you know. One of those seasons that kind of feels like they're going to finish seven and five or six and six, and you think, boy, that team had the talent to win ten games. They just didn't do it. Yeah, when you when you start losing 
it's easier to keep losing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go LSU. I'm going to say they they send themselves into the Alabama week here with with a little momentum and just just laying in the weeds waiting, you know, waiting to waiting to have their chance at a big upset. Well, that'll do it for us. We'll be back to recap Wazoo after what both Matt and I think will not be a pleasant experience on Saturday <laughs> night. But until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. If you're listening, you're probably Greg Powell. This is the Ben and Matt Sportscast. <laughs>